Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Welcome, everybody, to the Must Read Alaska show. I'm your host, John Quick, coming to you live from somewhere in Alaska. Man, it is still a rainy day all over Alaska. I'm sure that our forests appreciate it. I'm sure that our firemen and women appreciate it. But, man, it'd be nice to have a little bit of sun. We want to thank everybody that listens, watches, and reads Must Read Alaska. We do this to, to spread conservative news through all the nooks and crannies of Alaska. And if you want to help keep the lights on here at Must Read Alaska, just go to mustreadalaska.com. On the right-hand side, there's a little donate button. Every $5, $10, $100 helps keep the lights on here at Must Read Alaska. We're not funded by some dark web nonprofit money conglomerate. We're just funded by everyday folks who love and care about Alaska. So without further ado, I have a very special guest today, Rick, who is the uh, executive director of Power of the Future for Alaska, or state director, shall I say, for Power of the Future of Alaska. Rick, welcome back to the Must Read Alaska show. Always a pleasure, John. So excited to uh, to be part of the Must Read Alaska family today. And, uh, you know, again, as I mentioned before we came on, what Suzanne and you do uh, for the conservative side of news here in the state is unmatched. And so, you know, I, I want to say thank you as a as a, uh, a sponsor and contributor and, and supporter. Um, you guys, you guys really do an amazing job. And I'm just pleased to be part of it. Today. Awesome. Well, I'm super excited that you're on the show again. The last time we had you on, it was a fan favorite. People loved it. Talk to us. You know, somebody's going to listen to this and hear, you know, potentially could hear about Power of the Future for the first time. So before we kind of get into our um, gamut of topics, tell us a little bit about what the heck is Power of the Future. So Power of the Future started uh, just about six years ago. We're an energy advocacy organization, a nonprofit 501c4 national in scope. Um, I am one of our two state directors here in the country. Um, we focus on protecting energy jobs in rural America, John, and, and giving those opportunities for like keystone and cornerstone type um, jobs in rural small towns and, and communities across the country. Uh, as you know, and as certainly all your listeners know, the Biden administration has uh, has launched an all-out assault on traditional energy in the name of <clears throat> climate change and <laughs> saving the world from the <clears throat> existential threat of climate change. If you could see the, uh, if you could see me giving air quotes right now, you'd see that I'm <laughs> coughing and giving them simultaneously. Uh, you know, but there is no existential threat of climate change. There's just a control and uh, empower mechanism being used by the eco-left and having their lackeys in the Biden administration uh, do it for them. We fight against that garbage and we fight against that narrative that somehow the world is burning and needs to uh, go away from hydrocarbons. I live a high carbon lifestyle. You do too. So does every listener here. If you're listening to this on the web, that's just part of your high carbon lifestyle. There is nothing that you do in your daily life that could be done unless you're off the grid and wearing, you know, natural 
clothing <laughs> a burlap sack <laughs> yeah i was just gonna say like you know if, unless you're using shorn sheep wool that you have uh knit yourself nothing you're doing in your life could be done without fossil fuels and mined materials and so the hypocrisy of the eco left where it's like oh we got to go fossil future free or fossil fuel free is just such crap john that it's uh it, it's fun to poke at and fun to make fun of but you know it's it's also sad what they're doing to uh, to middle America and rural America. Yeah, I just I saw a clip this morning. I was cruising Twitter for five minutes or so, and um, a uh, elected or high official in Spain was going to this economic summit, and she took a private jet, you know, to the airport. Uh, she probably she took a uh, you know black Uber. Um, first to the airport and then took a private jet to where the summit was. But then she hopped on an electric bike, maybe like a mile outside of where of the engagement was and rode her bike into the, the, you know, summit meeting. And she was praised as, you know, the queen of, of uh, climate change, basically. Yeah, again, let's walk the talk, right? I mean, if you want to live a low carbon, no carbon, fossil free lifestyle, cool. I have no desire to do that. And I would say that probably 99% of the world, if they had their choice between, um, you know, walking the Church of Climate Change talk uh, for themselves, they would they would refuse as well. Yeah. It's just the zealots out there that uh, that are doing harm again, to America, empowering the communist Chinese, killing opportunities in places like Kaktovik, Iliamna. Uh, they'd love to kill the Ambler Mining District. I, I just think, you know, when you start talking about places in Alaska that have first world and second world conditions instead of third world because of resource development, those are things worth fighting for. And so we do it at Power of the Future. Um, and we invite you guys to join us uh, by going and signing up for our newsletters and things like that at powerthefuture.com. Nice. Well, let's chat a little bit about this is coming to a backyard around our listeners very soon because, you know, I think a lot of folks think, you know, they hear, they watch Fox News or CNN or whatever it is. And it's like, oh, those, you know, it happens over in DC or it happens in Seattle or it happens in Portland or San Francisco, you know, the, the wokeness around oil or carbon, but the largest electric electric utility company in Alaska, it has now happened. Do you talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, every year, every electric co-op, every electric utility has board um, elections. This year in Anchorage, the Chugach election, uh, Chugach electric elections took place. And um, unfortunately for consumers, and rational business people, and you know those of us that understand that there needs to be a uh, an emphasis placed on certainly an all of the above solution if the renewables are mined, processed, and manufactured in America, and not part of this whole climate cult narrative that we talked about a minute ago. Unfortunately for us, uh, the Chugach Electric Board went woke. Two of the three seats that were up for election were supported by the Renewable Energy Alaska Project, by the Alaska Center, by all these climate groups. And they got two of their three people in on the board um, in Suzanne Fleet Green, who is a 
former Mark Begich staffer and campaign person, and Jim Nordland, who is a returning to the Chugach board and a former Democratic legislator who has a, a, a very staunch um, climate agenda of his own. Thank God, and I'm saying this with the capital G God, that Shana Kilcoin didn't get put on that board. She finished fourth. Bettina Chastain, who is the current board, who was the current board chair, beat her out. Shana Kilcoin is evil personified against fossil fuels. She hates hydrocarbons. She is the person that, you know, preaches zero emissions and just transitioning and renewable portfolio standards and all that crap. And thank God she finished fourth and didn't get seated. But that just means that they're going to run her again next year in the elections and try to get that absolute radical extremist put on the on the board. So, you know, two steps forward, but it could have been three. And at least Shana um, didn't get seated. But here's the problem, John. This whole movement, right? We've seen this infiltration and infestation of radical environmentalists, whether it's Homer Electric, even Matanuska Electric, Golden Valley Electric, Chugach Electric. This is where the environmental movement has decided to make its next stand, right? By influencing utility boards, then they can um, start to, you know, uh, maneuver around, again, what most rational people will say is garbage. They can maneuver around, um, you know, rational energy policies and start pushing these uh, renewable energy first. You know, we have to transition we can't look at hydrocarbons. We have to go to wind and solar. Um, again, wind and solar would have a place if we were mining it, processing it, and manufacturing it in America, but we're not. And that's that's a problem because right now, that supply chain from mining to processing to manufacturing goes through one country, and they they fly a red flag, and they enslave people. And they don't give a rats anything about uh, an environmental uh, maneuvering. They open two coal plants a week. And I'm talking about communist China. So if the entire supply chain goes through the CCP and its minions, why would we ever put our utility grid under the thumb of a country that hates everything that the U.S. stands for? So do you think that this is, I mean, going to be a roadmap for how they do this all over Alaska when these public utility elections kind of infiltrate at a local, a local level? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is just, you know, this last year they've decided to go get aggressive on these utility boards. They've had a, they've had a, a multitude of successes, if you're going to look at it that way. Um, boards have become either neutral between um, environmental advocates and business people, or they flipped in the case of Chugach. Why wouldn't they uh, continue to do what's working for them? And it's a call to action for those of us who like, uh, let's say, lower cost utility prices, who like reliable utility transmission. I don't want to have to go, when I hit my light switch, to think that I'm paying three times what I was paying last year, or that it may not come on because of rolling blackouts. You know, I, I don't want to have to think about electricity, John. And unfortunately, 
if the left has its way and if the en environmental zealots have their way, we'll be on a renewable portfolio standard that's 80% renewable by 2040. 80%, it's about 15 right now throughout the rail belt. Um, and that's what they're pushing, right? That can't work. Yeah. There's no way, there's not enough hydropower, wind, solar, battery capacity to get us there without a lack of reliability rearing its ugly head and energy costs that are going to skyrocket. Don't let anybody tell you differently. This is not a good move. And it's being pushed uh, on, you know, on multiple levels at the board boardrooms of the utility companies and even in the state legislature uh, with bills that were introduced last year by uh, Senator Loki Tobin and surprisingly, Representative Jesse Sumner, a Republican out of Wasilla, uh, put it in in the, in the House. Wow. Yeah, I liken it when I talk to folks about the implications of this. And, you know, I think it's even for myself, it's sometimes hard to grasp like, OK, this could be a huge impact if you get people that hate carbons onto a business board or public utility board that's main goal is to produce carbon. It'd be like the analogy I use on folks is it would be like if you woke up one day and at your church, all the elders are now atheists. That would be yeah. a bit of a cluster moving forward as a church. <laughs> it, it's it certainly throws the uh, theocracy into question, right? I mean, if the Church of Climate Change wins utility board seats the way that they've won them in the last year, we truly are going to be looking at a at a you know a, a monumental shift in where we get our energy from, and there's a problem there because we're not in a position, like I said, right now, technology-wise or solution-wise, to have reliable power. It just doesn't work for the rail belt to to go away from what's worked for decades, which is natural gas and coal. So let's chat a little bit about um, Congresswoman Mary Patola. She um, she usually votes just along party lines with the Dems pretty much every time. And, you know, um, obviously, former Congressman Don Young, God rest his soul. That's not how he voted. Right. And so she's she's voting way differently than what Alaskans have experienced for the last 30, 40 years. Um, but she recently broke with, you know, broke broke apart from the Dems and voted in support of something. Um, you guys recently wrote about it. What was that? Tell, tell our folks all about that. Yeah, well, so Mary Peltola understands the role that natural gas plays in the state of Alaska. And, and God bless her for that, because I don't always agree with her votes. Um, We've had her on our Power of the Future Energy Hour. I talked with her during the campaign. Mary Peltola is one of the nicest people you will meet who, again, on most of her policy positions, would run counter to what I would call good energy policy. But a couple of weeks ago, um, Dems were trying to uh, hit gas stoves and outlaw and ban gas stoves. And there was an amendment to take that out of the bill. And Mary Peltola voted yes for the amendment. As a matter of fact, voted yes on two amendments. Wow. Um, 
And she should be given credit for that. Yeah. So, um, Rick, why, why do you think Mary took this stance? It seems like a pretty bold stance because obviously, historically, most of her votes aligned with the Dems. She broke away from the Dems here. Why do you think she did that? Yeah, you know, I, I'll, I'll give her credit again. She said in the Anchorage Daily News that because, quote, because access to gas and propane compatible stoves is important to Alaskans. She uh, talked about the high cost of energy and how going away from that could actually increase energy costs. And she said, quote, government has more important things to focus on than our kitchens, unquote. Uh, again, she doesn't always get my plaudits for her votes in that case because it, it was the right decision for so many uh, of us here in Alaska that use gas stoves, that you know use LNG uh, to heat our homes and power our homes and our businesses. I mean, it was the right move. And so, you know, I'll call it out good, bad, or indifferent. Um, in this case, kudos to Mary Peltola. Awesome. Well, it sounds like you have a decent uh, working relationship with them. They've been on your show before. How important is that? I think in today's political world, you know, folks are polarized on, on both ends. And they're, um, I think a lot of conservatives write um, Congresswoman Mary Patola off, regardless of what she does. How important is, is it for you and Power of the Future to keep that door open to have a relationship? Well, I think it's exceptionally important, especially with the fact, you know, with our congressional makeup right now. Um, there's so many things, John, that are coming up, energy related, that are going to be dealt with in Congress. And right now, Congresswoman Peltola is the Congresswoman for all, all Alaska. So you should be able to have a dialogue. I mean, this is something that I've known Mary since she was, I think, fresh out of high school. And so, you know, you go back about 30 years and you realize that, you know, your friends and your acquaintances and your, you know, right now she is our lone representative in Congress. And the fact that I can call up and talk to her staff and, you know, talk to her people and get a call back and have a great conversation with Mary um, is, is good for Alaska. It's good for the energy discussion. You know, I'm not, I'm not any different than pretty much any other energy advocate in the state. Um, we need Mary Peltola to do the right thing to bring jobs and opportunities to Alaska. I like that. Well, um, Senator Lisa Murkowski, I think maybe like a half a day ago, she was up near Nome at um, Graphite One, which is a mine that produces graphite, holding a graphite core. Not yet. It will one day. <laughs> it will, yeah. Holding a graphite, what looked like a sample core really making a point to say, listen, we should be not only producing this stuff in the U.S., but if we're going to produce it in the U.S., let's produce it in Alaska. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, she couldn't be more, uh, she couldn't be any better with that response. I mean, we should be. Alaska should be the tip of the spear for production of critical and strategic minerals, graphite, and yes, even uh, a, a project that she hates and has come out against, copper, uh, like at the Pebble Mine. The whole Go Green movement, as fluky and flaky and crazy as it is, right now, again, we're basically creating a subservience and kowtowing to communist China 
from a supply chain standpoint. Anything that we can be doing in the US and especially in Alaska to be creating domestic supply chain should be being done. Now, this is again where the Biden administration doesn't walk their talk. In one side of their mouth, they talk about going green, building good union jobs, and creating all these opportunities. And then on the action side of their mouth, they shut down Pebble. They shut down uh, Twin Metals opportunities in Minnesota, another large copper mine, because of its potential eco-impact. They shut down a, a mine in Nevada um, that would produce lithium and palladium and other you know, essential minerals for going green. Um, they shut down development in, in uh, Idaho and in Arizona and Nevada and Utah and all over the country. Why? Because their friends on the eco left say that we shouldn't you know, ever mine something if it can be environmentally degrading. Newsflash, if we're going to go green, we need each and every one of those mines and more to fulfill the green dream of net zero by 2040 or 2050 or 2027 or whatever the, the new number is now, right? Um, but it's great to talk it. Their walking yeah. rate is horrible, right? So, I mean, so you like, mean you can't like, just pick these batteries out of a tree? They have to actually be made with materials that are from the mines. In in communist China, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, again, this you know, this is a this is one of the things that I love about my job is I get to call out this hypocrisy, and then I get to advocate for real solutions. Real solutions are Pebble. Real solutions are Ambler. Real solutions are graphite one. Real solutions are the strategic minerals complex in Bokan Mountain down on Prince of Wales. Real solutions are found all over the state of Alaska, John. And real solutions are what America needs instead of green rhetoric and a green scheme that diminishes American jobs, diminishes American um, energy independence. And again, I've said it four or five times on this show, empowers, enables, and strengthens China. It's mind-boggling to me that, you know, that we're not more up in arms about this as a citizenry. So 30 minutes has went by in a flash. Any last minute thoughts here before we head out? No, again, I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll come on as often as you have me, it can have me because I mean, this is the conversation that, that Alaskans, it, it's crucial to Alaska, right? It's, it's our, it's our energy economy is, is our economy. And a quarter of our private sector jobs are tied to oil and gas. Another 6%, 8% are in mining. Everything that we do in Alaska to add jobs and create opportunities should be something that each and every one of your listeners cares about, and uh, we'll continue to fight for at Power of the Future. Don't forget, you can follow me at powerofthefuture.com on Twitter at PTF Alaska, or I love emails. Shoot me an email at rick at powerofthefuture.com, and I promise, even if you take shots at me, I respond to each and every one of them because it's one part of the job. That's awesome, Rick. Well, I appreciate you joining us here on the Must Read Alaska show. We'll put a link to the Power of the Future in the podcast description. And for folks that listen, read, and watch Must Read Alaska, we uh, want to thank you for doing that. We exist to spread conservative news for all the nooks and crannies of Alaska. And if you want to help keep the lights on here at Must Read Alaska, just go to mustreadalaska.com 
and click on that donate button that right there on the right hand side every five dollars ten dollars hundred dollars helps like i said in the intro we are not funded by some dark web nonprofit money conglomerate we're just funded by everyday folks who care about conservative news in alaska so until next time i'm john quick from somewhere in alaska thank you so much rick for joining us